Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Welcome back. And thanks for listening. It is hard to believe we are down to the second to last episode of 2022. And I couldn't be more proud of this story and change, this conversation, and this connection. 32 years in the making. I bring to you today the story of Rory Wunsu, who I met in Warsaw, Poland in 1990 just weeks into a new democracy for the people and the country of Poland. We were both 12 at the time, staring down our teenage years. We had no idea how much would change around us, how we would change personally, and how years later we would reconnect in a place of vulnerability, authenticity, and perseverance. This is a story our 12-year-old selves needed to hear because it really does get better when you live your truth in love. Thank you, Rory, for this conversation, and thank you for your friendship. And a slight editorial note before we get started. Rory and I recorded this episode in person, outside, in Seattle. So if you hear helicopters and planes and birds in the background, that's why. Enjoy the listen. Where do you want to start? Oh, man. I know this is 32 years of the making, isn't it? 32 years of the making. You, you, you clocked that, uh, that figure yesterday, I think, right? Well, it was 1990, wasn't it? It was. So if my math is correct, it's been it 32, 32 years. Um, 32 years ago that we met. Yeah. Um, and do you want to... Well, before we kind of walk through the we met story, let's tell people where you were 32 years ago and how you got there. So 32 years ago, um, I was living in Warsaw, Poland, and uh, my mom uh, helped open the Peace Corps office after the Berlin Wall fell in 89. And uh, we, we went kicking and screaming over to Warsaw, Poland, but uh, you know, and looking back, it was one of the best moments in my life. 1989, the, the wall fell. Was your mom already um, involved with Peace Corps before then? She was. She was working for Peace Corps. Okay. Um, she, uh, and then, you know, that momentous occasion happened and she, uh, was tapped on the shoulder to go open Peace Corps, the newly, uh, I guess, democratic Poland at right. that time. Yeah. yeah. And I think we, when we were chatting the other night, you had mentioned to me that she went over first, right? So this is typically how it works, where parents, uh, in, in both cases, our parents went over early to go kind of get the lay of the land and check it out first before moving the family over. Is that what she did? She did, yeah. She was there a full six months before we came over. We um, stayed with my stepdad, finished up the school year, but 
meanwhile, she was over in Poland, learning Polish, finding the house for us to live, while also concurrently uh, setting the office up. So right. was, she was uh, doing a lot of work. And how old were you at the time? Jeez. 11, 12? Yeah. yeah. And so she was getting it all set up, learning Polish. You were where at this time? At this time, we were living in Woodbridge, Virginia. Yeah, no, Woodbridge, Virginia, just outside of DC. Okay. Um, and how long have you guys been there? Uh, my whole life. Your whole life. Yeah, okay. Up until then. And where were you? Wait, remind me. Where were you born? Alexandria, Virginia. Children's okay. Hospital. Yeah. And then my parents bought a place or built a place in in Woodbridge. Okay. Yeah. So that's so you were like a Virginia, Northern Virginia kind of DC yeah. guy family yeah. prior to that. Okay. Sweet. And it was you and your two siblings that came over to Poland, yeah. is that right? My sister, Deirdre, and brother Colin. And you're the yeah. oldest of the three? Of the three, okay. yep. Right. Yeah. What, so, so walk me back if you don't mind, because yeah. I had that same experience where my dad and my mom went to Poland beforehand to kind of check it out, right? Get things set up. Um, and I remember it being back in Houston, Texas, where I was. So you were in, you know, Woodbridge, Virginia, Walk me through what it was like when they sat you down, your mom sat you down and said, hey, because you're what, in sixth grade at this point? Step us through that, if you remember. Jeez, I yeah. mean, you may not have thought about it in a while, but I would love to just recount that. It was so dramatic, actually, because my mom said, everyone into the living room, we have, a ha we have to have a talk. Family meeting. <laughs> Family meeting, exactly. <laughs> I'll never forget, actually, because we had the wood, wood stove going. It was really, it was the winter. Yeah. Um, or fall maybe, and yeah. uh, she, she then just told us, we're, mov we're moving everyone to Poland, Warsaw, Poland. And at the time I'm like, what, where, huh? Where, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like as a sixth grader, you don't really think about Warsaw, Poland. You, all I knew that it was next to the Soviet Union. Yeah. And I, that was terrifying because, right. you know, growing up with all the, you know, the What's the what's the movie uh, with Patrick Swayze and Red Dawn? Yeah, Red Dawn. <laughs> so I was terrified of the Soviets, and in that my mom's telling me we're gonna go live next door to them, right. and I'm like, right. Jesus, this is scary. But uh, you know, I remember just going to bed after that, kind of a little bit numb, and yeah. then I woke up. I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> so it was it was a, a bit traumatic, yeah. but uh, and you, were, I mean, you were 11 basically yeah. at this point. How old were Deirdre and Colin? Uh, Deirdre's a year and a half younger, so she, yeah, nine. under nine, I guess. Yeah. And Colin was seven, yeah. maybe. Okay. Yeah, he was. So, I mean, it's so interesting because my, my family was going through the same exact thing, different part of the country. We were in Texas. My parents had gone over to Poland to check it out. I think they were all trying to look at the same thing, like, where are we going to live? Yeah. What's the school situation, right? Um, and my dad came back, and... I feel like it was a little similar, like family meeting, you know? I think ours was around the dining room table, which I knew it was interesting and different because we rarely sat at the dining room table. It was always like the kitchen table. Okay. The dining room table is for entertaining guests. Yeah. And he said, sit around, and we're like, okay, this is interesting. And he pulls out this huge map. And we loved maps as kids. Okay. Um, I don't know if you, if you knew this, but my dad used to take us for fun. He used to take us to the airport in Houston, Texas, to just look at the board of where the flights were all going and just kind of dream. And then we'd play these games where it was like, hey, where do you think that plane's going to? Or where do you think that one's coming from? And he would teach us all the emblems of the airlines. And then he would teach us how many engines and what that meant. What was a DC-9 versus a DC-10? And 
And ironically, my youngest brother became an expert at it. And so the map came out and we thought, oh, we're like playing airport, right? Like, <laughs> we're like, this is good. we're going we're gonna to play a game. Yeah. And um, he starts to point out um, Europe and this is Poland. And like you, we were like, where? <laughs> um, and he said, what do you, you know, and I'm obviously paraphrasing his words, but like, sure. what, do you, what do you think about the idea of us moving to Poland? And we had the same reaction. We were like, I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean? And it was very foggy. I think I had one sibling um, who was very upset because we were, we were sixth grade at the time yeah. and we had just started junior high. It's kind of a transition, right? And we all went to sleep and then the next day it was very similar, like, hey, was this real? Is this real? And so we started asking questions. And um, good, bad, or otherwise, my dad said to us, you know the sound of music? And we're like, yeah, we love the sound of music. He's like, it's going to be like that. <laughs> so that was the image that was in our head. <laughs> the musical, the sound of music. The, That's what we're moving to. The hills of Austria. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we thought it was going to be like that. Yeah, got it. Did you have any image in your head? I mean, Red Dawn is, is I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Sound of Music. You're thinking Red Dawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle between. Yeah. But other than Red Dawn, like, did you have any picture in your head of what it was going to be like? No, not at all. Like, I, you know, I didn't even, I had never heard the word right. Warsaw before. Yeah, me neither. Um, and maybe Poland, but it was more, more like the fear of the Soviet Union. Yeah. Which says a lot about us as kids growing up with this big boogeyman that that was the Soviet Union. Yeah, it was just fear mm -hmm. at the time. And then acceptance came later and yeah. then we were there. What, so, so what was the trip like? I mean, you pack up the house, did stuff go into storage? Yeah, a lot. You know, so uh, my mom and stepdad were trying to sell the Virginia house yeah. um, because we we're gonna be away. But we, for some reason it wouldn't sell, so I think they rented it. Yeah, so we took a, a, a good amount of stuff over, like some furniture, but left a lot, you know, back in Virginia. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, we just one day had to pack all of our clothes. And yep. I remember getting on, it was my first time ever on a 747. Yep. Yeah, so we flew Pan Am right over to Poland. And it was my first, you know, first time in Europe. Yeah. And first overnight flight. And I remember waking up and seeing um, aeroflot plane next to ours and yeah. you know the design of the the aeroflot planes had that big spike in the uh, tail yeah. and th that just kind of freaked me out it's too like, this yeah. is like an alien world to me you know yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and then we were in uh, Warsawa yeah so so did you have a did you guys go to a hotel to begin with like many people no my mom had set everything up oh. rolled shoot my mom picked us up and uh, we went right to our little townhouse and a little funny story like we were we had a pretty big house on a lot of land in Virginia. So the idea of moving to a townhouse, yeah. we were like, not only are we moving to this foreign land, but now we're downgrading our house yeah. to a townhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, it was a luxury townhouse. Yeah, it, was <laughs> it was really, it was really like nice. Amazing. In, yeah. in the center of you know, a, a nice neighborhood of uh, Warsaw, Poland. Yeah. So yeah, we were, we, we didn't know it at the time, but we were busy. And that was, was that the summer? So you hadn't started yeah. school yet? Yeah, we had just got out of school and then, you know, uh, we, we get to our place, our new house, and my mom then breaks the news. Hey, you're going to summer camp. You know, we were then terrified of that, yes. you, know, and, you know, not knowing any Polish. Yeah. And then just, so we went to summer camp and uh, 
Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were there other expats in yeah. the summer camp? It was just it was you guys? Just, it was just us three yeah. American kids yeah. amongst all these Polish kids. And okay. uh, you really, you pick up the language pretty quick. What was it like being the oldest of the three? Were you, were you did you have a sense of like, hey, I got to look out for Deirdre yeah. and Colin? Yeah, no, I mean, I was, uh, you know, just very protective of them, even at, you know, 11 years old. And uh, we were, you know, the three musketeers going yeah. into uh, you know, into Polish summer camp for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we tried, to, tried to band it together yeah. uh, as much as we could, uh, you know, you know, cafeteria or you know those first couple of days and then then we kind of you know figured out some broken polish and made some friends but yeah. but yeah i was always looking out for them and then um end of the summer you start at american school of warsaw right, right? your yeah. seventh grade year yeah. okay what was that like to start off with that uh that was a little nerve-wracking yeah. um but you know after the first couple of days it, it just felt like it was a new school and I mean, I, I, there was a sense of normalcy um, meeting other American kids who were in the same situation that I was. The bonus on top of that was meeting other, you know, I guess diplomat kids yeah. and you know other kids like you know, like you, where your your parents were working for a company, but you, we all went to the American School of Warsaw, so it, it just seemed like a a normal school at that time. And it had to be smaller compared to your school back oh, in sure. Virginia, yeah. right? Do you remember the size differential or no? Um, was it like 16? 16 people Maybe tops. Yeah, yeah. So definitely smaller in, in the scale. I was going to say, it was it was in the definitely in the fall yeah. before Christmas or Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. We arrived right after Halloween because I remember my dad, um, you know, the whole thing about getting the family together and taking them overseas, we had to go to a hotel first, hotel near the airport, yeah. uh, so that we could, you know, uh, and he was moving five kids and, you know, five kids and a spouse. And so we got out, we were at the Doubletree in Houston, right near the airport. And we were pretty upset. Uh, my one sister, Katie, and I were upset because we wanted to do trick-or-treating with our friends because, you know, we're, we're in sixth grade. It's like, you know, you're, you're just getting to the age where you're like the cool kids. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't. And we had to be we had to be downtown at the hotel, you know. And my dad said, you can trick-or-treat in the hotel. And... My siblings and I have talked about this quite a bit because we didn't realize, the two older ones didn't realize how protective we were of the three younger ones, and yeah. we, we kind of had to be. So my sister Katie and I take my three younger siblings and we attempt to go trick-or-treating in a hotel. Um, and it didn't go well. Um, and the youngest, Brian, same, similar, same age as Colin, yeah. didn't understand like what was going on. You know, like, why, why are we knocking on these doors in a hotel and asking them trick-or-treat and people are yelling at us and they're saying, get out of here. And it's a business hotel, you know? Yeah. And um, it was a pretty traumatic experience yeah, to, to have, crazy. like, right before you get on a plane. Right. <laughs> and I think we took KLM, um, the Dutch airline, and we took KLM to Amsterdam and then changed in Amsterdam and went on to Warsaw. And, and I think, like... To me, we always think about the experience starts when you land in a country, but so much of it actually begins with things like leaving a place, right? Leaving home to go to a new one. And right. years later, you know, unpacking that experience for the siblings, they said how, how and I, I now think about it, it was pretty traumatic to have to kind of pretend like all was okay yeah. for the siblings, right? I'm sure you did that many times in Poland. Oh, for sure. Um, because they're looking to you, 
right? Like, hey, Rory, like, what's going on? Like, should we be worried? Should we not? And you got to put on a smile, yeah. right? And hey, it's going to be fine, Colin, Deirdre, in our case, Brian, Kevin, Mary, you know? Um, and I remember that. And years later, we talked about that. Like, we sort of just stashed it away. Um, and very similar, we get to Warsaw. It's a big change for us. We're living in a hotel. Um, the first hotel we were in was a kind of a more traditional Polish hotel. Wasn't really working for a family of five kids, yeah. you know. We end up going to the Marriott, which at the time was what the, one of the few sort of Western yeah. uh, establishments in Warsaw at the time. And um, we also thought we had this kind of reprieve as kids because we had just gone through this big change and, and we were under the assumption that we weren't gonna have to start school until the second semester. Oh. So we thought that we were gonna get to like ride out kind of, I don't know, thank, our first Thanksgiving, our first Christmas in Poland, kind of get settled, get into a house and then join you all at school. Yeah. It's not how it happened. Three days in, not even two days in, going we're going to American School of Warsaw. Yeah. And, um, we were completely discombobulated. Like we didn't, I mean, we were still fighting jet lag. Didn't even know what that was. Yeah. In between two hotels, um, trying to make sense of the language. Yeah. And then we get dropped to school. And uh, I remember one of the really interesting things that kind of sat with me was, I was convinced in, um, in my own mind, I was convinced that the, the, uniqueness of me being a new American kid that I was going to have the things that nobody else had, right? Like, I was convinced that, oh, I've got the latest music yeah. or style. You, you turned me on to Vanilla Ice. Right, so that's exactly what I was going to bring up, was, okay. was how the only thing that probably, in a very strange way, was my saving grace yeah. in that moment was the fact that I had the Vanilla Ice single, <laughs> Ice Ice Baby, which yeah. we can all look back at now and laugh because, yeah. but keep in mind, right, you got, in this case, two American kids, but there were others who were grasping for any remnants oh, yeah. of back home, right? And I remember I bought that single. It was a tape, cassette tape, right? Yep. It was before CDs. And I remember that first day thinking, I don't know how this is gonna go, but this is gonna be my get out of jail card. <laughs> and it worked it for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then we certainly realized shortly thereafter that they can get the same music here in Poland, it's just bootlegged, right? Yeah. Open, the open market. Um, but I remember that first day being like, okay, I'm gonna bring this vanilla ice tape. It sounds so crazy to say right now, but because I wanna have something that nobody else will have yeah. and might actually make me slightly accepted and popular for a second. Yeah. I was just, I was so desperate to like land and be okay. Land on your feet. Land on my feet and be okay. Yeah. And it was terrifying. It was absolutely yeah. terrifying. Great. Multiply it by the fact that we're in now a freshly democratic country. Yeah. Um, barely, you know, <laughs> the paint is barely dry <laughs> from the word Solidarność. Yes. So, so we arrive, we're in school, mid-year, not easy. And at the time, had you already had a cohort of friends, pretty much, or no? Had you, had you, or? You know, we, we, I was already well into following uh, pro football and yeah. playing football at school, so I 
It was, remember the brand Starter? Absolutely. Yeah, it was the Starter, starter hats, Jacket. Starter Jackets, yeah. yeah. That was like the thing to have back when we were kids. That and was. I, I wore that Redskins, which you can't even say that word anymore. I know, you can't even <laughs> say Washington Redskins. This the Washington is, Commanders. Commanders. The Commanders, <laughs> the commanders yes. Um, yeah, I had my Redskins Starter Jacket and I wore that because I, actually because I loved it. Yeah. It was a bit of a, you know, for, for kids of that age, it was a little status it symbol. It was a status you thing, know? yeah. Um, but you actually, from a practical standpoint, you needed it because in September it was snowing. What I do recall being really uh, fascinating was, you know, some of the kids in our class um, were from, like, West Germany or East Germany. Yeah. And, you know, that, that time frame was, right. I remember Mrs. Potofsky, Actually, in Polish, it would be Potowska, right? Potowska, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. She, Potowska, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She went by Potowski, so uh, that I found strange yeah. because we're in Poland. You should go by Potowska. Right. I, anyway, segue. So but um, I remember Catherine Weber. Do you remember her? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She was uh, from West Germany, and Mrs. Potowski was asking her about the impending reunification of the country and what right. she thought about it. I remember thinking... I feel like we're too young to be answering these kind of questions, yeah. you know. For you and me, that that question would never have been asked. You know, right. we were, you know, coming from this big United States and you know, to this communist country in Europe where so much history has happened just 40 years before us, right? right? literally. Yeah. You know, and you know, there's some realities on the ground here with, with Catherine, with Mrs. Potofsky and you know, just everything that had happened in Poland within the last five years at that time. Right. Yeah. Um, you're right, because Germany reunification would have happened like shortly thereafter, yeah. right? The fall of the Soviet Union happened while the we Gulf were there. The Gulf War happened while the we Gulf were there. The Gulf War happened while we were there. Yeah. CNN was born while we were there. Nice. I mean, if we think back to like, we used to sit around and watch CNN because of the Gulf War every night in Poland. Do you remember the bomb threat that happened at school? So the bomb scare, you don't remember the bomb scare? Now oh, see if your mind brings it up. So TB, interestingly enough, TB is the second most common thing that Peace Corps volunteers get in Ukraine. Because that's that common. Um, yeah, so um, number one reason people get sent home from Ukraine, dog bites. Dog bites. Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy, right? Uh, and then TB is the second one. Um, but no, the bomb scare. So I remember during the Gulf War, um, we had a lot of Americans, obviously, in the school, as well as international people. And there was one day when there was somebody that called into the school and threatened a bomb because of the number of Americans that were at the school and our involvement in um, the Gulf War, Gulf War One. So it was halfway through the day, and I want to say we were in math class or something, and we, I, don't, I don't think we had a PA system in that first school. I don't recall that. But somebody came in and said, um, we all have to leave. And we were like, what for? And they said, your parents have been called to come get you. Everybody's got to go home. And it was very similar to the one time that, you know, the, the, the tuberculosis scare yeah. happened. But I remember them saying um, something along the lines of, uh, when you leave, don't look at anybody, don't talk to anybody, and make sure that you get down in your car. Do you remember this at all? 
And it was a bomb scare that was called into the American School of Warsaw because of what was going on with the Gulf War. Yeah, no, I totally... And I don't remember where it was called in from, um, who called it, but I, I remember being out of school for at least a day yeah. because, I mean, we watch CNN all the time anyway, but I remember watching it all day um, and asking questions to my parents, like, what's going on? Um, it was a very interesting time. I mean, now I look back on it and I think to myself, like, we were, you're, as you said, right, we were amidst history happening on all sides yeah. of us. Um, do you remember where you were when the Soviet Union fell? Um, we were, yeah, in Warsaw. Um, I remember in Mrs. Potofsky's class, she was explaining what this all meant yeah. and how there was actually a real concern at the time that... Uh, we may have to go back to the States because right. there was, I mean, Moscow was, there, there was a coup yep. at one point mm -hmm. or attempted coup. Yeah. Boris Yeltsin was holed up in the, I don't, I don't know if it was a Kremlin, but it was parliament, yeah. parliament building. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that there was a part of me that was, oh, we may have to go home. The first thought that entered my mind was, oh, that means I can get McDonald's French fries. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we were starved of anything American. Yeah. yeah. Um, but fortunately, we did not go home because of that, and yeah. everything was fine. But I, you know, there was that little bit of excitement yeah. about potentially having something uh, American again. Yeah, we all kind of missed elements of home. Do you remember when the first McDonald's opened in Warsaw? Yeah. yeah. It was a big deal. The Levi store was equally, yeah. Cigarettes, McDonald's. Legos and Levi's yeah. were like the currency. That's funny. Yeah, those were the things that, that, that people wanted more than anything else. Um, so how long were you in Poland? We were there about two and a half years. We went back to the States. Okay. Yeah, so we went, uh, we actually were supposed to be there three years, um, but I guess my mom got another job within the federal government that you know, would require her to be yeah. back in DC um, earlier than we had thought. So I had to leave. Um, I think you guys left. We I was split eighth split. grade. Yeah. So similarly, like halfway through our time there, my dad got an opportunity to do the same thing he'd done in Warsaw, which was open the, the office in Warsaw. They asked him to do it in Moscow. Yeah. So I think at some point in the spring, maybe of my eighth grade year, maybe like March, April, my parents said, "Hey, come with us, and we want you to check out." the school in Moscow and just give us an assessment for your siblings um, as part of this decision, right? And I remember being like, this is a big responsibility. Like, you want me to come assess, like, where we're going to live, which school, like, or I think there were a couple schools options in Moscow, but pretty much only one that was like the American school. Okay. But they wanted me to go and meet students and sit in class and talk to people and get a feeling for it and then come back and report to my siblings as to influence them or to convince them or say, hey, this is going to be a good move for us. And that was a big deal to go and do that. And I just remember the one thing that, that was so different was the school that we went to in Warsaw. The first school we were in, as you recall, that, that, that building before we kind of outgrew it and the middle school had to sort of separate and go off. The middle school ended up being in a former convent. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. That building oh, that we yeah. were in, it was like a, it was like the grounds of a seminary or convent or something in in um, right. Villa uh, Villanova, not Villanova, Villanov. 
Villanov was yes. the name of the was the name of the neighborhood that it was in. Um, it was a nicer school. It was it was a beautiful building. Yeah. I mean, it was like the grounds of like I said a, a convent seminary, and so that was so unique. And then when I went to Moscow, I get there, and the school is on the embassy. Oh. And you actually have to go through kind of like the embassy guard gate check. You get in there, and I remember being so enamored because this, it looked like a little Virginia community. Yeah. Brick houses, townhomes, the whole like American look in the middle of Moscow. Yeah. And I, I walk onto the grounds and I'm thinking, well, this so far is great because I feel like I'm in the States. I know I'm in the middle of <laughs> Red Dawn, <laughs> but I feel like I'm in Virginia. And so I was like, this is great. Then I go into the, the school and there are lockers, like actual American lockers, like with the combo and everything. And I was sold. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? This is, this is gonna be great. So my parents do their assessment and everything and they say, what do you think? And I meet some students and it was great. And I come back and I said, I think it's great. I think we should, I think we should move. And again, unpacking years later with my siblings, they were really upset because we had gotten to a place finally in Poland where we were comfortable. Yeah. People had friends. We were taking the trams places. We were learning Polish. You know, people were, like, my siblings were finally to the point where they were comfortable. We would just gotten over all the upset and trauma of moving, yeah. and we're going to move again good, yeah. two years later. And, and so I went back. Uh, I had to give a report. My dad literally was like, I want you to write a report and tell your siblings the pros, the cons. And, and I told them it's going to be great. And so that summer we moved to Moscow, and it wasn't great. It wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't great. Not, not to be great, at least in the beginning. At least in the beginning, like everything, we adjusted, yeah. right? Your family adjusted, my family adjusted. Um, but there were some tough times. The siblings were very upset with me, saying, like, you know, you, you, did, you caused this, you did this, you were part of this. Um, and they had just, just gotten to a point where they were learning Polish, not an easy language to learn. Yeah. And now we got to learn Russian. And so very similar to your summer camp, we ended up in language camp. It was Berlitz, Berlitz language yeah. camp in Moscow for like four or five weeks um, in the summer of 92. Um, and it was, it's still like, I talked to some of my siblings and like that was traumatic. Like it was tough. I mean, it was not a good experience. And Russia had just changed, right? Like 91 is, you know, late 91 is when it, when it uh, really started to, to change so it was a completely different experience but like reliving it yeah. over and over again and we spent all four years of high school I spent all four years of high school there and the kids were in middle school so you went back to Alec so we went back to um, our, our house in Woodbridge it was almost we were so excited to go back but then when we got back it was kind of like oh kind of miss our friends in Poland now say, you know yeah. like uh, miss our you know the the day-to-day -day differences of being in a you know, major European capital city yeah. um, and then we thought we wanted you know everything that America had to offer but kind of missed yeah. you know the the Polish you way of the life <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I missed the you know our Pani Agnieszka making you know pierogies in in kielbasa for us and yeah. You know, driving us to school and back. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was. But you know, that was. Then the summer happened. We went to the beach. You know, got reacquainted with America, and then uh, 
high school after that. Was it a bit of reverse culture shock though? Still, when you came back, it was. It was. Yeah. So you didn't just snap back in, like no. no? Because what age you were at this point? You're in, you're a ninth grader, right? You're a freshman. About going into yeah, freshman year of high school, which is tough for anyone. So not only did we move back to Virginia, but we only stayed there for a couple of months because my mom had wanted us to go to Catholic high school. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, this is be interesting. so right. she, uh, yeah, she's originally from Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. Um, so she went to all girls Catholic school mm-hmm. in Wilmington called Ursuline Academy, mm-hmm. and um, so she found the value and uh, we were raised Catholic, we found the value of uh, you know, continuing that education onto our kids. And so we went to Catholic high school. I went to uh, St. Mark's High School um, and my sister did too. My brother went to an all boys Catholic school called Salesianum. So mm-hmm. we spent our, our high school career in Wilmington, Delaware. Wow. And then I went to University of Delaware after that. Okay. What was, well, first of all, that's like Two culture shocks in one. Yeah, so the summer of 92, back to the States, a couple of months, and then moved up to Wilmington, Delaware. Wow, and Catholic school. And Catholic school. Had you done Catholic, have you, had you done any um, Catholic school before then? No. No. Wow. Usually it's the opposite, right? Kids in primary school or elementary kind of get the Catholic school, and then maybe when they get to high school, it's like, hey, you know, don't do that anymore. It's the opposite for you guys. What was your experience like in Catholic school? You know, it was, I just kind of likened it to ASW, American School of Warsaw was, I mean, that was technically a private school, right? So we were just going to another private school in my, in my opinion, I guess, or my outlook on it. Was, um, were there elements of being back in the States and missing Poland or Europe that surprised you? Like, did you find, was it a surprise that you were kind of like, in, in one way, homesick? For the place that, like, you went to that while you were there, you were homesick for the States? I, yeah, I was I was homesick for Poland. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, and, you know, it was mostly from the friends I had made um, and the experiences that we had. Like, you know, our summer vacation was toward, you know, going around Western Europe. Yeah. You know, and our summer vacation back in, in the States was going to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not, different, yeah. not yeah, a bit different. Uh, you know, can't apples to oranges, I guess, in comparison. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely. You know, I had some. I was just missing uh, the European lifestyle and yeah. Poland in particular. Um, the friends I had made and you know the the culture that we were so fortunate to experience. Yeah. When you were in um, Warsaw, I forget. Did you play sports? Because I feel like there was. One of the unique things about the international school experience was that unlike the U.S. where like, let's say if you grew up in New Jersey, you play other parts of New Jersey in soccer. Yeah. I feel like in, in Europe, in the international school system, like we would play other countries yes. and their international schools. Did you have that experience? So I didn't. I wasn't good enough to make the uh, travel, oh, travel team, team <laughs> whatever that, what you're described between yeah. the different American schools yeah. in each country. I, I uh, didn't test high enough, but my sister did. Okay. And, and she went to... Uh, she played get, soccer, right? She played... She ran cross-country. Ran cross-country, okay. So yeah. she, um, she later did that throughout high school, too. But she, um, in her grade, she was selected to go to Vienna, Austria. I was so jealous. Right. I yeah. wanted to go to Vienna. I yeah. wanted to go with, you know, the, the ski club, whatever they were yeah, doing. Right. I just yeah. wasn't a great skier and not a great cross-country runner, I guess. But uh, I'm glad that my sister at least got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I remember one of the first 
uh, I was not sports uh, oriented either, but I went down for like, it was like, it was almost like the science club or the math club. I can't remember what it was, but we went to Prague. Yeah. And there was a competition in Prague between all of the international schools across Europe. And so we jump, you know, we basically get on the train and head down to Prague. And it was fascinating because, you know, people go to Prague now, it's, it's like tourism everywhere and it's really advanced, but we were there in the early days, like there was nothing, um, you know, it's, like I said, the, the, the paint was still fresh um, and it was spectacular. Like it was just St. Charles Bridge and the whole night, like all of that, seeing that as a 12 year old, unaffected, like yeah. it hadn't been touched by the world yet, you know? And it's such a beautiful part of the world. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. My mom and stepdad went to Prague a couple of times while we were over there, and they said similar things. Yeah. I, I never, I guess at the time, I was too young to appreciate, yeah. you know, the, the architecture of Prague. And I've seen, since seen so many pictures of the city. It looks amazing. I'd love to visit one day. My parents' friends would send us, like, care packages. Yes. Did you get the VHS care package? VHS tapes. Yes. yes. And it would be like, and I was a huge, still am, huge Redskins Commanders fan. So my um, my dad's friend would tape the games on VHS and send them over. Yeah. So I would watch uh, these games that were played like two months ago, <laughs> and, <laughs> and still be and still be on the edge of the seat, even yeah. though I knew the end of the, the, the score. No, that we, yeah, we lived and died by those VHS packages. Yes. Now, granted, for us, when we started getting those, we were already in Russia. Okay. Um, and there are a couple of shows that I still attribute to my, to my teenage years, which, looking back on it now, like, there's so much I didn't know then about myself. I learned about myself through these shows. And, man, if I could go back and have a conversation with Teenage Bill, it'd be fascinating. But one of those shows was Party of Five. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, and I knew nothing about these shows. The only reason... We learned is because we had a friend who, who had lived in Russia, but she had gone back uh, as a diplomat, you know, military diplomat kid. She had gone back to Virginia, like many do, and said, what, what can I send you? And we said, just put on the Thursday night lineup and just hit record. Yeah. And like, whatever's on. So, you know, we were watching like Friends and Party of Five and, uh, oh God, there's so many things that were on Fox back then, you know, when it was just starting. and. I remember watching Party of Five and thinking there's elements of this show that I don't understand. Yep. And they dealt with drugs, they dealt with alcohol, they dealt with sexuality, they dealt with... And, and at the same time, I remember thinking, I'm learning about these characters and about myself because I'm like involved in these characters' lives. And it was also like a window back to the US culture for us. Um, but that's that's how we learned. We're through these like little segments of VHS recordings that were months after yeah. the original air date. Wouldn't it be interesting to go back and watch those same tapes? Uh-huh. You know, it's a little bit of a time. I mean, it's total nine two one zero. Yeah, another like, generational show. Yeah, completely. Like if I think back to the controversy of that show yeah. and people, I remember people in my high school hearing that we had episodes of that taped and they'd come over to our house to watch it and then parents would find out and then we'd get in trouble for 90210 yeah um and now you 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 think like god what to me i think to myself the innocence and the purity of that 
right? But how, like, how else are we going to learn who, who the heck we were? I mean, I, I didn't know that at the time what, like, Brenda and Brandon and Dylan, I mean, those, all those people were, like, in their young 30s <laughs> playing teenagers. Yeah. I mean, Luke Perry, I think, was late 20s, early 30s yeah. playing a high school guy, right? I remember Luke, Luke Perry, Dylan, on the show. Yeah, Dylan. Yeah. Um, Dylan McKay. Yeah. I thought he was so cool because he had these sideburns, and I'm like, I can't wait to grow sideburns, you yeah. know, and meanwhile, come to find out, like you said, he's, you know, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, well, of course he can grow sideburns, <laughs> yeah, Of right? course. I was like, what's wrong with me? I can't grow sideburns. He's not 17. Yeah. He's 31. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, so that, that, to me, I'd forgotten a lot of that, but now I go back, and it's interesting because some people have said to me, like, have you, have you rewatched Party of Five? Have you, and in a way, like, part of me attempts to, but then I, I go down this path of nostalgia. Yeah. And in a weird way, like you said, the homesickness, like, it's not the same. Like, it reminds me of a time that, in some way, was very complex, but also very pure, right? We were living in a part of the world that had just experienced democracy and was fledgling and trying to figure out who, who they were. In the meantime, we're trying to figure out who we are. I mean, I joke about it, like, you know, adolescence behind the Iron Curtain. Like, what? That's not easy. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, we we went back before high school, so we were we had the high school American high school experience where yeah. you guys. I did not. You did not. You you had the American high school experience in Russia. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I yearned for what you had, and meanwhile you probably were there missing yeah. what I was having. Absolutely. Which yeah. is really interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, what was the high school? experience like for you beyond kind of the reintegration like did you did you feel like you left a part of yourself behind in Europe did you did you get to know a new part of yourself when you came back to the states like I'm curious that yeah you know I um, transition the transition was it was abrupt and yeah. sudden um, just like it was when we went over to Poland yeah. but uh, it was for me high school was it was okay, you know, it wasn't the greatest. It was, there was still some, uh, a bit of a lag from wanting to be with my friends I had made over the past three years, yeah. almost three years, to now having to make new friends yeah. in a, not only in a new school, but a new state, you know, from where we, where we lived before. So it was a bit of um, an adjustment for sure, the freshman and I'd say sophomore year, but then, you know, as, as time goes on, you, you find your, tribe at the time and then you know that kind of you, you grow with that and for me that's what I did I went to the University of Delaware yeah you know I, I wanted to go away to school yeah. you know I, I looked at going to U University of Delaware is like grade 13 because literally everyone from high school went to yeah. UD or yeah. University of Delaware and University of Delaware was you know so much more than I thought it was going to be you know and the, the reason quote unquote that I ended up there was uh, my stepdad worked at the University of Delaware, so we got free tuition. Yeah. It was a no-brainer. You know, I think about um, had I gone away to school and had taken out all those loans, I, I wonder if I'd still be paying them off. It right. was so much, it's so much money then, it, I can't imagine what it is today for these kids that are, you know, taking loans out. So fortunately, my sister and I um, took advantage of that benefit, and we had great college careers at University of Delaware. And that's 
you know, I think with a lot of people, that's where you really start to learn who you are, yeah. you know, and you know, the tribe that I'd met in high school, you know, that you had to meet a new tribe so, in, yeah, in college. Naturally, we kind of disband. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I mean, disband going to different schools or yeah. you just meeting new people and finding new interests. And, you know, that's what, what happened with me. And that's really where I started to discover my love of travel, yeah. you know. You know, I had had the experience and I, I got a taste of it in Europe um, and I, I wanted to continue that. So during college, I signed up for a study abroad program in Costa Rica. Yeah. You know, I had a, a terrific, uh, was it sophomore spring semester over there? Wow. Um, and then I was accepted into the semester at sea program, which wasn't through Delaware. It was through, at the time, University of Pittsburgh. But, you know, that was just, you know, travel, or study abroad to the nth degree. It was, yeah. you know, a, an onboard university experience, onboard cruise ship, I mean, mm -hmm. university experience that, you know, took you from, took us from the Bahamas. It took us around the world, stopping wow. in various ports of call, um, experiencing whatever country we were in for like five or six days. We went around the world. You ended up where we are today, Bill, which is in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> That's the irony. 22 years ago, yeah. I, I pulled up in the, in the harbor here and yeah. got off a, 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 an incredible experience. Uh, it was my last, my senior year of college. Wow. Yeah, I went from the Bahamas throughout, you know, down the Caribbean, Cuba. We went to um, Brazil from there, across the Atlantic to South Africa, Cape Town. And then went up the African coast to uh, Mombasa, Kenya, crossed over the Indian Ocean to India, um, went down to uh, Malaysia, uh, up to Ho, Ho Chi Minh City wow. in Vietnam, yeah. formerly Saigon, yeah. um, and then went over to Hong Kong, and then Japan, and then took two weeks to cross the Pacific Ocean to, to Seattle. And each, in each of those uh, ports, we spent like five or six days. So we got to do excursions and see a bit of the country, experience the culture, the cuisine. It was just fantastic. Yeah, you what know, an experience. I, I encourage any, anyone who has a love of travel, just a love of adventure to check that out. Either if you're a student or you could be a lifelong learner. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I encourage anyone, if you check that out, it's a great way to you know, see the world and it, you learn new things. Did the semester at sea, I'm curious, do they have, like, it's such a unique experience. Do they end up having, like, an alumni group yeah, of this? Okay, strong, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, like, you can't go through that and just be like, yeah. thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah. right? Some of my good friends to this day I met on yeah. that, on that uh, voyage. Yeah. And I imagine when you're like, I don't know, I've been on a few cruises, and the best parts for me, Roy, were when I was the days at sea, yeah. where it's, like, just you staring at that big, vast blue. Oh, yeah. And I found like some of the deepest reflection would come when that was it. It's like just you and the ocean and the sunset and the sunrise and the next sunset. And I remember I was with friends on the cruise, but they were so confused. Like, they're like, how, like, why don't you want to do all the activities? And I said, these days at sea are like, I mean, it was like nourishment for me. Oh, I'm the same way. Yeah. I, 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 uh really enjoy just kind of zoning out and watching you know, on the back of the ship watching the the trail, the trail. what is that it's like a, a wake almost yeah, i wake, guess yeah. yeah the wake mm -hmm. and just when i should should have been studying i was just zoning out looking at the ocean that would have been me too. <laughs>
there's a reason my 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 dad forbid us to apply to schools in California because I really lo- I really liked Pepperdine, um, which is in Malibu. <laughs> but he knew he knew us too well. He's like, you will be at the beach all the time, yeah. and you won't. So you'll just stare out to the ocean. Yeah. I, he was right. I would have. <laughs> but I imagine that would have been like that for me at semester at sea too. Yeah. I mean, but what an incredible experience. So so tell me a little bit. Like you, would, you obviously like you'd gone through a lot as a kid, ch- moving, new cultures, new languages, new friends. Uh, semester at sea, like Costa Rica, like yeah. in all of this, like, I mean, we, we find out who we are by the places we go, yeah. the people we meet, the words we use, right? Be it in Polish or English or Spanish. And how, was it, were you re-meeting yourself every single time? I, I would say yes. Yeah, yeah I was... Uh... It's new experiences, um, each of those stages of my life, and you know, and it, it it forced me in a way to, you know, adapt to my new environment. You know, also figuring out, all right, what did I like? What did I, what did I like? Yeah. Or you know, trying this food or that food, and um, also just you know, who who am I as a person? Yeah. You know, having the opportunity that not not many people have to you know, get out there and see the world and meet different kind, kinds of people and um, yeah it really gave me the opportunity to figure out you know what what makes me happy or at the time you know what doesn't make me happy and yeah it was it's definitely a, a way to you know, learn a lot about yourself is through new experiences and, and travel. When would you say through all of that growth change, travel, you know, experiences, when would you say you met you? Because it seems like you were, a, you were a, a young kid and a guy who was like searching, yeah. right? We all are in some vein, right? And some of it's us seeking things out and then other, it's, it's things seeking us out for that. Can you pinpoint as to when you were like, I met me? Yeah, you know, it, it would have to be at the end of that semester at sea cruise. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, coming I, off that ship, I yeah. mean, how could you not? Like, I mean, coming off of that ship and all these little knick-knack uh, souvenirs and pictures, thousands of pictures, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, and that was before digital. That's right. So at least the pictures I thought I had taken and I prayed came out because you had to have them developed, it's right? film, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, I was a new guy coming off that ship and uh, was ready to um, start my career, yeah. even though I was ready to do that. However, I was a couple credits short, so I had to go back for another semester at Delaware. <laughs> so I, I did, I... Uh, What's well, like the 13th? Yeah. You know, <laughs> grade 13. Grade 13. Yeah. With a little extra credit. So I, I uh, went back to Wilmington. Um you know, got my last semester kind of finished. And I, I, uh, during that kind of time when I should have already been graduated, but, you know, it's kind of like, all right, finished these pesky classes and graduate in December of 2000 instead of May. You know, I started to kind of think about in that last semester, what do I want to do with my life? Um, Who do I want to be after all this adventure the past time? What, 
10 years at yeah. that point. Um, and yeah, I interned at this company called MBNA America. They're yeah. a credit card company that's now Bank of America. And you know, I had an opportunity to um, you know, get a, a mentor and she helped guide me on you know, things to think about as far as your career goes and what I had done during the summers prior to that. And you know, I interviewed for this position out in their Western office in Laguna Beach, California. Wow! So I, I got Laguna that Beach job. Is a great spot. Yeah. Well, that's I, I'm sorry. That's where I lived. The office was in Elisa Viejo, which oh, yeah. is just a town over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I moved to California. Wow. Yeah. I, I kept the adventure going. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of you know, re- really where I started to develop as like a you know a young professional. Yeah. My first experience with a real job and. Yeah. Living on my own, even though, yeah, I'd lived on my own in college, but it, this was like by myself, by right. myself. Yeah. No roommates at the time. I ended up getting some roommates, but it was, you know, what, 3,500 miles away from family and yeah. you know, kept that discovery mode going. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, really where I just started to, you know, have relationships really and like, you know, I had some girlfriends at the time and it, you know they're still kind of figuring myself out you know and I think towards the end of that um, time in my life I was like all right this is it's not for me the dating girls aspect but also you know living in a place that was just for me a little bit unrealistic long term yeah. family wasn't close by um, you know it was super expensive to live there and I Hated the idea of renting, so I wanted to buy a house. So after three years in California, I moved back to Delaware and bought a house. Bought a house. And uh, quickly found out, all right, this is not the same pace that I'm used to in California. So I you know, rented my house out in Delaware, moved to New York for a year and a half, and that was that was it for me. Like that's wow. where uh, I, I just love New York, and I, I being anonymous, yeah. whereas. In a big city like New York, whereas in Wilmington, Delaware, I knew a lot of people. So I took New York as an opportunity to really, instead of discover the the city I already was familiar with, discover like who I was as a young guy and, you know, came out, you know, to myself in New York and just really enjoyed living the gay life in New York and uh, um, met a lot of great guys, uh, a lot of just great people in general and experienced a whole lot. Do you think, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that about New York. It's sort of the, there are very few places in the world where you can literally be completely anonymous. Um, New York is always kind of cited as one of those, by many people, right? From celebrities all the way down. You could just walk down the street in New York and part of it is the the population size, the enormity, but also because people just, like, they go about their, their, their life, right? They're not they're not looking for celebrities. They're not looking for anybody. Do you feel like the that is sort of the cradle of the place where you could say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be my entire self." For the first time, for sure. Like uh, up until that point, it was I was out there looking for something or just experiencing what the world was in front of me. You know, whether it was in Poland or Wilmington, Delaware, California, New York. It, that was the, I was always discovering something new, and this was the, my opportunity to kind of 
do some self-discovery. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm so glad I went up to New York, even though it chewed me up and spit me out. Well, it but, does. Uh, <laughs> That's what it does, right? But it was, you know, all in, good, in a good way, of course. Yeah, I ended up becoming stronger because of that experience and yeah. uh, you know, discovered who I was, really, yeah. in the city after you know, spending the last 15 years you know, experiencing all these other places. I yeah. experienced myself a bit. Was it, was it a challenging conversation with yourself? Like kind of coming out to yourself, or was it? Yeah, it was with, in yeah. a bit because it was, it was some reluctance to accept who I w really was. Yeah. Um, but once you know, I started to meet other people in the city, it became a lot easier. And yeah. uh, you know, I had a bit of a little crew, and you know, but there was still part of me who was that had uh, that, that separate lives. So like. Yeah. It was one way in New York, I'd go home and be another way back in Wilmington, Delaware. So it was, there was that struggle still, but at least I had something that I was excited about in, in New York. And um, so I would retreat back to New York whenever I could right. a, after moving back to Delaware. Right. But uh, What was the source of reluctance? Was it, um, I mean, obviously you had gone to Catholic school um, we both share kind of that Catholic faith and family. You know, I don't want to jump to that necessarily because that's sort of like an obvious answer. But yeah. I'd be curious, like, where, where do you feel the reluctance was residing at that time for you? Was it also persona? Was it because we're, we as men got to keep up? Like, I mean, you're the oldest sibling. There's yeah. like a lot that a lot. could play there. Super loaded question. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's, you know, just just being probably being just ashamed of that part of myself yeah. um, and not wanting to be gay, but, you know, it is who I am. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, everyone comes out in their own way and their own time. And for me, it was, that time was uh, a bit later after New York when, you know, I moved back home and, you know, m met Jim and, you know, had a great relationship there. And, um, it's just, you know, I guess it was just a struggle, just, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, too, because we all, we all have that. And I think it's, it's really important that you sort of name the, name the word shame, right? Like, there's yeah. this, there's this um, societal piece that comes with this a little bit. And sort of the decoupling from that shame is, is, is something that every single person has to do. Um, was that easy for you? Did you do that alone? Did you seek? It sounds like you, you sought help from yeah, you know yeah, your friends and community. Uh, yeah, friends for sure that I met in New York that had gone through it. Um, I, I definitely relied on their their experience, but also I went in and got a therapist. Yeah, you went to therapy and uh, you really put in the work there. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that helped right away, but it at least gave me an outlet to talk about things in a. Uh, you know, a safe space. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of just hard work uh, through therapy, some friend counseling, yeah. and... Um, Thank God for friends. Yes, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then you just... more self-discovery, you know. Yeah. I'd read a lot, too, about you know, coming out stories and, you know, you know, struggles that people that came before me had to go through. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you at that time? Like, I remember, for me, 
the Trevor Project was something that was really powerful. Um, and, you know, the stories of certain people, and mine was a little bit different because of the, you know, the military aspect of it. But I'm just curious, was there anything in particular that you remember from that time that really was um, stirring or moving or kind of like, wow, that, that really helped me kind of get to this place of courage? Or anything you read, or I'm just curious from that standpoint. Like, like for me, it was music. It was a combination yeah. of like stuff. Yeah. Um, you want, you know, it's, it's a bit of a funny answer, but yeah. remember the show Glee? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, I love that show. Yeah, I do too. And I was surprised at myself that I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I absolutely loved it. Still do. I'll still pull up some YouTubes and watch some clips. Yeah. But Glee had uh, the character Kurt yeah. on the show, yeah. and he was just, you know, lived. He was out and out and about, out and proud yeah. as a fictional character in high school. But yeah. I really looked up to him in a way because he was who he was, yeah. and he didn't have to hide it. Whereas I felt I had to. Yeah. Um, and he was a great singer, great yes. the, yes. the actor. For, I don't know his, I don't recall his name, but he was just such a. Uh, I don't know what's the word, but he's just himself very authentic that's authentic, what I'm looking yeah. for mm -hmm. and um, that watching that show and all the different characters and the, the music as you had mentioned music really helped me get through th some things yeah. and um, yeah, that just that show I was just so excited to watch it every week yeah I think it was on Fox as well yeah, right? it yeah. Was. <laughs> we looked forward to it yeah and uh, I think that really helped me be okay with the you know, gay aspect of who I am yeah. Um, because I could see, you know, the courage in this character, but there, I realize it's a fictional character, but there's so many other people out there, yeah. um, who are living that life and, you know. One is how we relate. I mean, right, we relate, we relate through stories. We relate through books and movies and music. And it's a very funny story. I remember, um, you know, my, my husband and I at the time were living in DC and we were very involved with uh, an organization that was specifically working to protect service members who might be outed. Um, and there was one of these organizations called Service Members United, and it was started by two uh, veterans, a Navy and an Army guy, who happened to be partners. And they came over for dinner one night and they wanted to brainstorm just like legal policy and things that we should focus on and, and really kind of get my opinion as a, as a member in the service still, they were veterans at the time, and then, you know, just kind of uh, bounce some ideas off of us. So we had this great dinner, great brainstorming session, like, you know, most power couples in D.C. do, right? Yeah. Uh, we're always working. <laughs> and uh, they kind of were, like, anxious at the end to, like, you know, they're like, oh, we got to get going, you know, we're really busy. And so uh, I was thinking that we had kept them too long or they had another, I don't know, like, to go meet a congressman or something, you know, or go out for a drink somewhere. And uh, I said, yeah, I really appreciate you guys. And the one guy leans over and he says, just one more question. Do you guys watch Glee? And we're like, oh my God, we love Glee. And they're like, can we watch it here? And we're like, absolutely. And so they were actually rushing home to watch Glee. <laughs> and it was just one of those moments where you think to yourself, we're all a lot more alike than we yeah. think we are. And, you know, I, I was so reminded in that moment that yes, we can work on policy. Yes, we can work on you know, brainstorming, we can do all this other stuff, but we also need like the power of stories and people to relate to and people to look up to yeah. 
an admirer of people like Kurt. And the four of us sat there on the couch and watched an episode of Glee and loved it. And I still think about that, right? Like, I think, I think that's just as important as the moments of, you know, <laughs> policymaking yeah. and life, life-changing stuff. So it seems insignificant, but it's not. And Glee was a soundtrack to a lot of people's coming out or talking to a sibling or a parent or dealing with bullying or any of that stuff, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it, it had the effect it had for a reason. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, you were also a big part of that too, whether you knew it or not. I didn't know it at the time, <laughs> so feel free to share. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I discovered um, that you were gay through Facebook, <laughs> that you all powerful Facebook, yes. I was like, I need to go down and visit with Bill and uh, come out to him. and. In more ways than just coming out, it was, right. you know, I wanted to reconnect, reconnect um, yeah. and also just share with you my experience, you know, what, what my experience had been for the last 15 years at the time, I think, was yeah. the last time I had seen you. Yeah. Coming down to visit you in D.C., I was super nervous, you know, it was an, another opportunity for me to uh, be my authentic self, and it was terrifying in a way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but that experience obviously went well. Yeah. Here we are today. Lots changed since then. But I, I was so glad that I, you know, reached out yeah. and uh, re- reconnected, built a stronger friendship because of it. And yeah. you know, here we are today. I mean, I think it's just such a, it's such a beautiful example of look. If there's people in your life, yeah. um, whether they were you haven't seen them in 15 years or 32 years or whatever, right? I mean, in some sense, this is where the power of social media makes sense for a lot of people like you and I and others who are third culture kids, right? I mean, we traveled the world, we lived in different cultures. We used to do letter writing. And the concept of like being able to just kind of look up someone and see where they're at and reach out to them, like that was such a luxury that we never thought would be a reality, and now it is. And... And I know a lot of people whose lives have been saved by reconnecting and reaching out and, you know, whether it be something like, um, you know, the Trevor Project and people posting all those videos on YouTube, right? None of that would have reached what it reached without something like a YouTube. We wouldn't have reconnected but for Facebook. Um, And I remember those, I remember those initial exchanges where, you know, you were kind of reaching out and saying, hey, I'm going to be in D.C. and... You know, I I remember sending you like some music and stuff because I don't know if I had an inkling or if I was, you know, hopeful. I don't know. Like, but regardless, I just remember feeling like here's another human who's literally lived through what I've lived through. Yeah. We've like shared experiences in kind of pivotal years of our life in historic times. Yeah. And uh, I want to be there for that person however I can. And it meant a lot to me. I mean, it's still, it's still a story that I, you know, I occasionally share that when you came down to D.C. and said, hey, let's meet up and let's grab dinner, and you, you, know, you came out to me, it was, it was really powerful because it was you were living in your authentic self in a very vulnerable way. Um, and I remember, like, how courageous it was and to me it's just a great example of like it's never too late it's never too late that's absolutely right and you know just 
just taking a chance and seeing what's the worst that can happen. What's uh, the worst that can happen? You know, at the time we weren't in touch that often. Right. What's the worst that can happen? Okay, so we don't stay in touch. Right. <laughs> That's fortunately that didn't happen. Right. But you know, I, driving down there, and we were talking about Glee before. Yeah. I driving down, I was thinking, oh, I, I I'm looking up to Bill because he's living his authentic life, and this is where I want to get to. You are my real life. Kurt. Kurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take that. I'll take that credit. <laughs> You're uh, my real life Kurt. And yeah. I was like, this is, he's living what I want to, I aspire to. Right. You know, so I was excited and nervous at the same well, time. Well, of course. And I, and I think anybody who's ever gone through that experience remembers the nerves, remembers the excitement. And I just remember what an honor it was, honor it was to get to be that person, to be asked to be that person, to like hold the space and and in some ways kind of hold your hand through this like hey i'm i'm rewriting my future here and i'm doing it in a way that i don't i don't know what the outcome is going to be but as you said you were able to sort of witness from afar i i like seeing how happy you are yeah. you could see that you could see through facebook and other things that yeah i was living a new life it was authentic it, it was much happier and it took work yeah. and it came with risks, right? I think every one of us is trying to navigate that a little bit. Um, and so for me, like, I, re I, I still think, I mean, I, you know, I remember going home that night and saying, wow. I mean, I got a little bit emotional about it because I was like, wow, if, if the 12-year-old Bill yeah. knew that years later he'd be sitting you know in his 30s with Rory yeah. and we'd be having this conversation that was like we're here for each other in a way that we never could have imagined and we have more in common than we ever knew and more importantly we get to like help each other through these next stages of life like I, I would have just been like you're crazy right like I would have said oh no 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 that's that's never going to happen. Yeah. And it's not, not because, you know, I didn't see us being friends in the future, but I just don't think that this narrative would have been believed by my 12-year-old self. And at the same time, that's exactly what my 12-year-old self needed to hear. Like, if my 12-year-old self knew that, I would have been a lot better off, knowing how okay we were going to be. Yeah. How, like, healthy, happy, hardworking, successful you know, philanthropic we were going to be. I, I, I probably, we probably would have saved ourselves a lot of anguish. <laughs> but that's why we do this, right? That's, that's right. why we reconnect. That's why we tell the story. We hope that there's, gosh, a 12 or 14-year-old out there saying, you know what, like, I, I'm hoping it's not as hard for them as it was for us. I mean, this phrase is almost cliche now, but it truly does get better, doesn't it? You know? It does. You know, and uh, living with life. Work. With work, for you sure. Put it, yeah. uh, you have to you make an effort um but yeah it does get better as as life goes on um and yeah going back to my 12 year old self yeah what would you say to Rory? I, what would i say <laughs> i'd be like you know probably you know things are pretty confusing right now yeah. it's to be expected live your life experience yeah. as much as you can and just be open yeah. and you're going to be all right yeah. um and don't beat yourself up yeah. and i think that's that's the piece of advice that i would hope my 12-year-old self would, uh, yeah. you know, remember. 
Because we, we put ourselves through a lot of anguish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it made us who we are. But man, there's so many times I wish I could go back and just hold that kid. Yeah. Like, Same. and just be like, it's going to be fine. Like, it's going to get better. Um, and I'm also really proud at the same time. Like, I don't want to disconnect from that because the anguish and the shame and the tears, like, that also made us, yeah. right? Like, you know, that's, that's why I can go back and watch Party of Five and be like, yes! <laughs> I, I had my own Party of Five going on, literally five, you know, five siblings of us that were over there. Yeah. But, and there were five siblings in that show. Now, granted, it was a little bit different than the things they were dealing with. And I had a crush on Nev Campbell at the time. I'm pretty sure now I'd have a crush on Scott, Scott Wolf. Wolf right? <laughs> But hey, Nev Campbell's still gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but like, what a gift it is for us to be able to just, like, first of all, sit here, right. beautiful part of the world, get to connect. On a beautiful Seattle Saturday, which doesn't re- is rare, rarely happens. The sun has been out, like, beautifully since you've arrived. Um, so I just, I just want to thank you for, like, well, for, for, for a few things. I don't want to, like, group it all in one. But one, I want to thank you for, like, never giving up on the Rory that you always knew, which was a lifelong learner. Yeah. Like the, the I want to seek out more Rory, right? And that, that, I think, is what makes us move through the world. People move through the world differently, and that's something I, I really want to acknowledge. The second thing I want to acknowledge is the courage that you have demonstrated um, and I, and I remember it was like, like it was yesterday. You and I sit at that Thai restaurant and you telling me and, you know, the sh- shaking, right? Like, yeah. like everyone does when we first kind of come out and it's never done, right? You're always, you, every time you meet someone new, it's, it's more coming along as it is, than it is coming out. You're just always doing it. And, and I, I also want to thank you for the opportunity to like, retrace these steps yeah. right like this is this is more therapeutic and settling to me than I than I would have anticipated because there's a lot of stuff I hadn't thought about during our time in Poland and yeah. it's really helped me it, it's helped me too Bill and I appreciate you you having me on your podcast today and being able to you know, share our our linked experiences but also you know I'm hoping that someone hears this and you know take decides to be courageous as well and yeah. you know if i could just help one person uh, yeah and i wanted to actually thank you for after i came out to you yeah. the very next day i you sent me the levi christ album yeah which i i can't even tell you how many times i put that on repeat in my car and yeah. listened to the whole album on the way to work or the way home from work because you're your love of music, you shared that with me and, you know, introduced me to Levi and his, his powerful songs and the words that he sings so beautifully, that really helps a lot. So thanks again for that. Absolutely. I mean, it may have been, you know, insignificant to you at the time, just giving that gift, but it meant a lot to me because I love music as much as you yeah. do. And you know, to, you know, discover, you know, someone else to look up to in addition to yourself, in addition to Kurt and probably, you know, it, it helped me a lot. So thank you. You're welcome. Hey, I mean, here's the thing, right? Music has the power to heal. Yeah. We both know that. We both share that. And it had done so much for me. So what do I do? I, I, I pass it on. Yeah. That's what we do. We pass it on, like through our stories, through the, hey, here's a CD you should listen yeah. to in your car, 
you know, now it's playlists on Spotify or Apple yeah. Music or whatever, but whatever it is, like, I'm so glad that it, it landed um, because to me, like, there's certain things that therapy is not going to do, right? And um, long walks may not accomplish, but the way you get moved by that song playing in a car when you're on the highway, it just hits you, right? Um, like, I'll never forget when I first heard the song For Good from the Wicked soundtrack, and a friend of mine gave it to me, and he said, I want you to put this on in the car, <clears throat> and I want you to listen to this one song, and then I want you to call me. And I said, well, when should I call you? He said, you'll know when. <laughs> and he lived one exit from a rest area on 95, um, and I made it one exit. And I pulled over in the rest area, and I, just, I was bawling. And I called him, and I said, I love you, and I hate you. <laughs> And the Wicked soundtrack was was pivotal for me yeah. at that time. I hadn't seen the show. I didn't know what the show was about. I didn't really care at the time. These words and those melodies were surmising that next chapter of me coming out. Yeah. And it will forever hold that in my in my sort of discography of life. Yeah. Um, and I I thank him every time I see him for that. Literally, like he didn't know the role he was gonna play for me and getting me to a point of strength where I could have the courage to get to a point. And Levi Christ did the same thing. And as I shared with you, you know, this week, his song was the last song I played to myself in the car before I came out to my family. Yeah. And so those musical notes are cemented in our stories and I'm so glad that it helped you. Yeah, it definitely did. Yeah, so thank you. Thanks. Really appreciate this. <laughs>